started preaching on this subject matter, the glory of God, the glory of God. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, please catch up by way of the internet. And I also want to welcome the Joburg uh, crowd, Joburg crew, as they also listen to this message. We love you guys and we are with you. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want to... I want to go deeper into this. I shared with you 10 key points concerning the glory of God. And now I'm going to be looking from number 11. And remember this message in total, it's 30 things every believer needs to know about the glory of God. And I think this morning I'll cover from about 11 to, I won't tell you where I'll stop, okay? Because some of you will be looking saying, "Ah, he's only on point 17. He said he'll go up to 21. I know what some of you are like, all right? So just sit back, relax. And receive. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Number 11 is this. When we behold his glory, we begin to reflect it. Remember when I closed in prayer last week, I touched on that. When we behold his glory, we begin to reflect it. You become like that which you behold. If you keep looking at certain things, you become like that which you behold. So be careful of what you look at. Amen? Be careful of what you look at. Oh, there's Eric now. <laughs> Eric and Sibo, how are you guys? Looking good. They're celebrating their first anniversary. I did their wedding. Sure, time flies, eh? It was a year ago. Come on, just stand down. I want everyone to just see you. That's Eric and Sibo. We love you guys. And we, and we thought, we thought the cocks were good at matching. Look at these guys. <laughs> and it's funny, they're wearing the same colors the cocks are wearing this morning. Yo, guys, obviously I missed that memo. Guys, we bless you. We bless you. All right? And enjoy each other. And may you grow and may you flourish in your marriage. Amen. Okay? Praise God. God's glory can be seen. And so we need to behold his glory. What is his glory? We said last week, his glory is all his goodness. It's his splendor. It's his might. It's his majesty. So the Bible is very clear in instructing us that we ought to contemplate his glory. Let me unpack this a little bit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. This is such a powerful revelation. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces, remember the Old Testament, their faces were veiled. And I'm not going to go deep into that, but their faces were veiled. There was, there was a, a mask, a covering that was there. But in the new covenant, we've got unveiled faces. Now watch this. It says, we contemplate the Lord's glory. That word contemplate is extremely powerful. It means to look thoughtfully at for an extended period. To look thoughtfully at something for an extended period. One of the disciplines that's lacking, that was strong in ancient times, but it's lacking in modern Christianity, is the discipline of contemplation. This is the discipline where you just literally focus on the Lord, on his goodness, on his greatness, on his splendor, on his majesty, and you Think about it. You're thoughtful about it for an extended period of time. 
And the Bible here says that we are continually being transformed into his image to the degree to which we contemplate on his glory. That's extremely powerful. Now, why is it talking about us being transformed in his image? I thought that we were made in his image. But then what happened? What happened with the fall? What happened with um, Adam and Eve? All right? There was something broken in terms of the image of God in our lives. But his original plan was that I want to raise up a people in my own image. Are you following? And so part of being born again, when you begin to renew your mind and your soul is renewed, is you begin that process of going back to glory. You begin that process of going back to reflecting his image. And that's why as believers, we need to look at ourselves and we need to say, am I fully reflecting the image of God in everything that I do? If you're still bound by fear and not walking in boldness and in authority, then it means in that dimension of your life, the image of God is not being reflected. And one of the ways it gets reflected is by contemplating his glory. Amen? So the question I have for you this morning is, what do you think about? Let's just use simple English here. I'm not going to say what you contemplate about, my dear brother. Right? What do you think about? Someone once said you become what you think about most of the time. What do you think about? Are you living in fantasy land? Just reminds me of a guy. He saw that we were doing a, a couple's breakfast coming up. And he's a guy I'd coached before. And I'd forgotten about him. But he sent me an email and he said, oh, a colleague of mine told me that you are doing this uh, couple's breakfast coming up. One of the things I do on the side is, then he started telling me one of the things he does. And it included things like fantasy and that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of the stuff can't even repeat in church. But anyway, and I thought to myself, no, you don't want that. And he says, uh, it, it might not agree with your ideology, but just let me know. So I gave him feedback. And he said he understood. But the point I'm just making is you become what you behold. You become what you're thinking about most of the time. And if we want to glorify the Lord Jesus, we must contemplate his glory. Whatsoever things, the Bible tells us, whatsoever things are noble, worthy of praise, good, pure, excellent, think of those things. Amen? What do you think about most of the time? What gets mind space in your life? What has mind share in your brain? Who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. So we are going from glory to glory. Glory, the glory of God is not static. They're levels of glory. Amen? And sometimes what happens is we are between those levels, aren't we? And so we feel like God is taking me up to another level. God wants to promote me spiritually. God is about to do this wonderful thing. And it doesn't always feel like his glory because we are between those levels. Amen? Which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The discipline of contemplation. I want to encourage you to embrace this as a practice. What is a practice? It's something you do over and over again until it becomes a part of you. 
embrace it, the discipline of contemplation. When I was growing up as a young boy, a teenager, I remember I used to just love, I was very talkative and so on, probably still am, but I used to love, I used to love just getting an orange and making a hole. Did you guys used to do that? Making a hole on top of the orange and just squeezing the juice. And I would just go, I would run away from everyone and I would just go into this quiet mode and I would sit on the north side, I think it was the north side of our house, and there'll be a bit of sun, and I would just contemplate, I'll just begin to dream. And so many of the things that ended up happening in my life that were birthed much later on, they were birthed during those times of contemplation. Amen? Number 12, God's glory is something to enjoy. God's glory is something to enjoy. We must learn to enjoy his glory. And you know what happens? When you enjoy his glory, he is glorified. He loves it when we enjoy him. How many of you have noticed what your spouse is like when you show signs of enjoying them? How many of you love it when your loved ones laugh at your jokes? It's nice, isn't it? It's great when they seem to just be enjoying you and delighting in you. How many of you have ever wondered that maybe God loves that from us? And you see, what I see happening in the body of Christ is that a lot of people delight in their sport. A lot of people delight in each other. A lot of people delight in their sense of fashion, going shopping, retail therapy. But the moment they come to church, it's like they've been baptized in lemon juice. They're no longer look like they're really delighting in the Lord. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes. We see that happening. And I'm saying there's something wrong with that. It's as if we suppress all our emotions and we're no longer enjoying God. God wants to be enjoyed. Amen? And, and it's so powerful if you, if you get this. So powerful. Look, it says in Psalm 16 verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. How many of you can say that? God, you've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. You see, for many people, joy is something that we look for out there, that thrill. But here it's saying, you will fill me with joy in your presence. How many of you, before you come to Ignite, are excited about it because you're like, wow, the manifest presence of God will be worshiping with my brothers and sisters. How many of you on a Sunday morning have to drag yourselves out of bed and say, I must just do the church thing now? Or do you come with a strong sense of joy in his presence? My question to you is, what's your source of joy and who is your source of joy? Because I can tell you now, if you're looking for it somewhere else, that will just be a momentary thrill. You know, there are levels of joy. If you study the psychology of happiness, there's momentary delight. I mean, if you like chocolate. If I say to you, here's the chocolate, you know how you're like, oh, thank you. Are you going to be feeling that same way six hours from now? No. In fact, maybe half an hour after eating your chocolate, you're feeling a sugar low. That's momentary. There are levels of happiness. True joy we find in his presence. I want to encourage you. Make a commitment to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? In my discipleship process, I'm making a commitment. I am going to seek your face. I'm going to contemplate on your glory. Because I know that that's where there's joy forevermore. Amen? 
Some of you struggle with depression. I'm giving you a key right now. Something far better than any medication you'd ever take. When you see Jesus as your strong tower and you're saying, you know what? That's where I'm going. He's my source of joy. I find it so powerful when you read further because it says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. The bottle won't give me that. Are you hearing me this morning? The bottle won't give you that. Often when people have drinking problems and so on, I like to say to them, what's the trigger? And they might say, it's when I feel lonely. It's when I feel stressed. It's when I feel frustrated. It's when my wife and I are fighting. And where do they run? Let me go there. That's my source of joy and peace. I'm telling you right now, that becomes an idol. It's idolatry. All right? So we want to make a commitment to the Lord right now to say, Lord, I'm not going to go to anything else as my strong tower. I'm going to go to you. Amen? Any addiction. I'm giving you keys for overcoming addictions. Amen? Okay. Whether it's food or, or alcohol or nicotine or a certain type of relationship. Some people are sex addicts. That's what I'm realizing. If you, if you think you might be a sex addict, I know someone who's a professional who specializes in that. Church has gone very quiet. <laughs> Don't tell me it's here. Don't tell me I'm scratching now where it's itching. Come on, guys. All right? But you have some people, there's what we call addictive relationships. So there are cases where people get addicted to people. Amen? So these are things we need to work through. And I love the way it continues. It says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You see, they're temporal pleasures and then they're eternal ones. I don't know about you, but I want to experience eternal pleasures. I still remember growing up, I would experience such joy that I couldn't explain. It's like I literally wanted to explode as a young boy and it was the joy of the Lord. Sometimes I would actually start crying because I'll be saying, Lord, you've been so good to me. And wasn't the type of goodness like, oh, yes, I came first in that race or, oh, I did well in that exam. It wasn't based on happenings. It was the joy of the Lord. I've known the joy of the Lord. I've known these eternal pleasures at his right hand. I'll literally be crying because I'll be like, it's not fair, Lord, because you've been so good to me. How come other people aren't experiencing this? And I'd feel bad for everyone else because I just thought he had favored me so much. This is as a young 14-year-old, 15-year-old boy, I would have this. And let me tell you something, nothing can top that. Nothing can top that. And as long as you look for this stuff elsewhere, you're basically arresting God. You know, sometimes we literally arrest God. We literally tie God's arms because God wants to bless us. God wants to do stuff. And he says, just see me as the source. But as long as you're seeing something else as the source, you will never get the stuff from heaven. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number 12 was God's glory is something to enjoy. And the interesting thing about this is it increases as we glorify him. As we doxazo him. Remember, I gave you the words, doxa is this glory. Doxazo is to glorify him. As you doxazo him, the glory increases. As we enjoy him and rejoice in him, our joy also increases. Do you want more joy in your life? How many of you want more joy in your life? Then rejoice in him. 
There's a link. The Lord gave me this revelation years ago that there's a link between rejoicing, the verb, and the joy you end up getting. Amen? Rejoice in him and you'll experience his joy. Glorify him and you'll experience his glory. There are things we can do that bring down the stuff of heaven. Amen? It's not a passive thing. Some people have got this passivity in their Christianity. Ah, in God's time, he'll just do it. Yeah, when God does it in me, my friends, there are things he's given us, mysteries in scripture where he says, do this and watch what it ushers in. Okay? Number 13, strengthening your faith helps you in glorifying God. Have you noticed that often we don't glorify God when we're in doubt? Often we don't glorify God when our faith is weak. Speaking of Abraham, it says in Romans 4 verse 20, very powerful. It says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. What is the result? But was strengthened in his faith. What happened when he was strengthened in his faith? And gave glory to God. Very often when we are weak in faith, it's difficult to give God the glory. It's difficult to praise him when we're weak in faith. How many of you know that thanksgiving is often the highest form of faith? If you say to me, Paul, I want to give you this, and it's some gift I've wanted for years, and before you've handed it to me, I'm already saying, thank you, thank you so much. Oh, that's so kind. I haven't seen it. Why am I thanking? Because my faith is high. I believe that in your promise that you're going to give me that particular thing. Amen? We glorify God when our faith is strong. Sometimes we don't glorify God, we don't please him because our faith is weak. The Bible tells us that without faith, we cannot please God. There's a link between the strengthening of your faith and glorifying God. Amen. Are you getting this this morning? Okay. These things are linked. They're linked. Very powerful. I want to encourage you to stay in the word. Stay in the word. Meditate on his promises. Meditate on his promises and you'll find yourself glorifying him all the more. Number 14, glorifying God can be loud. Yes, you heard right. Glorifying God can be loud. Somehow there's this thing that has crept into the body of Christ that I'm more spiritual the quieter I am in God's presence. Okay? There's a place for being quiet and receiving, right? But let's not resent those people who are loud in his presence. Those people who say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Like they're immature. One of the things I find very interesting is there's some people who are very loud out there when they're cheering on their team. But the moment they come to church, it's like they're whispering to God. Like he'll, you know, like he'll have a nervous breakdown or something if you're too loud. No, seriously. And that's, that's religion. It's not relationship. It's religion. There are people, some of you are like this. Can I go there? Can I just, you know, bring it home? We're outside there. Hey, yeah, no, Man City will beat you guys. Yeah, no, but we'll, we'll beat you in the Chelsea game. Yeah. Hey. When we watch soccer with you, you're loud. When we're now praying at Ignite, you're passive. And we think the mic is not working. 
No, the mic people are cool. I'm talking about people that... <laughs> hey? Why? We're not being authentic, ladies and gentlemen. We're not being authentic. People who change their voices just because they're now praying. Why does your voice suddenly have to change just because you're praying? <laughs> and very often it's people, I don't know, I don't know what their prayer lives are like outside of prayer meetings and so on. I don't know how they manage to hold that down like throughout their lives. Suddenly we change our voices. Now, what does the scripture say concerning this? It says in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 14 to 15, they raise their voices, they shout for joy. From the west, they acclaim the Lord's majesty. Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea. So you can be loud. I'm not saying be loud all the time, but I'm just saying feel free to express yourself to God. If you're excited about him, express that. Amen? You know that when Jesus sent out the 70 disciples, when they came back, what happened? It says that he hooled. That is the, that is the word that is used, a hool. It basically means to rejoice and to spin around, exclaiming God, God's glory. Amen? So Jesus got excited about certain things. And he says that he rejoiced in the spirit. That's the English translation. He rejoiced in the spirit. But he was literally twirling. So people who say to us, but you guys, you charismatics, you charismatics, you charismatics, we're doing what Jesus did. Amen? When the guys were praying in tongues at the time of Pentecost, people looked and they thought these people are drunk. So let me tell you something. There's certain things you will do that will look foolish to other people, and that's okay. Amen? And for some of you, you have to get used to losing your dignity in the presence of God. You know, there are those people like... Now everything is all. You can see that they try to be subtle about it, but you can see they're really very, very concerned about their appearance more than giving God the glory. Then now the glory wants to hit them. And you can see there's one place in the Eastern Cape where guys tried to do that. You know, there was this great pastor. I'm sure he's died now, an old guy. And it was like, the glory of God is going to touch this place in five seconds. One Two, and he was, he was doing that. and people didn't want to be slain in the spirit, so they literally would go back like to the wall like this, so that nothing happens. By the time he says five, they were then slain forward like this. All right. So for some of you, don't try to look too cute in church. Are you hearing me? I mean, look nice, and many of you do, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Don't worry about your dignity, appearance. Ooh, they might cramp my style. If you need to shout out hallelujah, shout out hallelujah. If you need to shout glory, shout glory. If you need to say Jesus, I love you, then say Jesus, I love you in a loud voice. Okay, you guys catch on quickly. That's cool. <laughs> I like this church. <laughs> okay. So don't resent people when they're loud. Amen. Praise God. I love, I love your outfit, by the way, the white and the gold and so on. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the one Eric promised me. Eric has promised me one from Ghana. Oh, it's around. It's here. You're going to hook me up. Nice. <laughs> cool. Number 15, we're called to glorify him daily. This is not a Sunday thing. 
We're called to glorify him daily. And this is something we want to put into our children. And it's not always easy, is it? We want to show them that glorifying Jesus is not a Sunday thing. All right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 23 to 29, it says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. It doesn't say proclaim his salvation Sunday after Sunday. Proclaim his salvation day after day. So my question to you is, do you have a practice in your household that, that is a ritual that ensures that salvation is being proclaimed day after day? Just think about that. There are many things to proclaim concerning salvation. If you read Hebrews chapter 6 verse 9, it talks about how, brethren, I'm speaking of better things in your life. And then it says, the better things that accompany salvation. Friends, there are things that accompany salvation. Salvation comes with certain things. Salvation comes with certain covenants. We want to rejoice in what we have in our salvation. Amen. The Bible tells me that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Those spiritual blessings come with salvation. Amen. There are better things that accompany salvation. There's a courage that comes with your salvation. There's a boldness that comes with your salvation. Just sit and contemplate and just begin to reflect that. And you know, mealtimes are a good time to do that. Don't just start eating. Don't just start eating. And don't just say the usual grace. Sometimes it's good to sit down together and basically say, guys, what things can we talk about concerning God's salvation and God's goodness? And then we remind each other concerning the things that have come with salvation. Amen. I thank the Lord that he's given me the spirit of joy. I thank the Lord that he's given me an opportunity to worship him. I thank the Lord for his provision. I thank the Lord for the relationships I have around me. You're thanking God for all these things that have come and they are his blessing. Amen. Okay. So sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. You cannot declare that which you don't know. If you don't really know God and what God has done, and you've been taking all the glory yourself, what's there to declare? Declare, declare, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Who needs strength right now? Who's feeling weak? Strength is in his dwelling place. Who needs joy right now? Joy is in his dwelling place. You see, for many of us, we're looking for things in the wrong place. I love, um, I'm going I'm to read uh, verse 28. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 29. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Some translations say the beauty of his holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Amen. Holiness is beautiful. Have you ever seen a woman who was quite pretty? And then she backslides and then you look at her and there's a darkness over her. Holiness is beautiful. Amen. Amen. Ladies, if you want to look more beautiful, holiness is beautiful. Hint, hint. 
Seriously, that's the inner beauty. Inner beauty. And then it comes out. All right? So I think that's so powerful. Let's make it a daily practice. I love what Oswald Chambers says. It's one thing to go through a crisis grandly, yet quite another to go through every day glorifying God when there's no witness, no limelight, and no one paying even the remotest attention to us. Can I read that again? It's one thing to go through a crisis grandly, yet quite another to go through every day glorifying God when there's no witness, no limelight, and no one paying even the remotest attention to us. Isn't that powerful? Let's make glorifying God a daily thing. Number 16, we're called to glorify him with our entire being. We're called to glorify him with our entire being. Glorify him with your soul. Your soul is your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's your intellect, it's your imagination. Imagine that. How do I glorify God with my mind? It's by what I'm thinking, what I'm contemplating on. The whole thing I was saying about contemplate on his goodness, you're glorifying him with your mind. How do you glorify him with your eyes? What you look at, what you focus on. Some of you should ask yourself the question, as I'm watching this movie, am I glorifying him with my eyes? Amen? How do, how do I glorify him with my feet? It's by where I go. Do I go where he's called me to go? Or do my feet just take me somewhere? You know, often when you're ministering to people and you're like, how did you end up doing that? Ah, no, pastor. Yeah, no. Then we were, yeah. Then, she was, then the baby came. So the baby just, just came. Uh, no, no, you physically went somewhere and you physically opened a door somewhere and you physically closed that door and you did things with your physical body to take off certain things and then you did other things with your body and then nine months later, then the baby came. I, I, I've always found it interesting. I, I, I counsel also people and so he said, yeah, then pastor, just to tell you a bit about our history, then this and then this and then, then the baby came and then... No, you did something. Amen? Glorify God with your body. We praise God for the babies. You know, God is the one who brings life. Baby didn't do anything wrong. But take responsibility. You did something. Amen? So now we see something interesting here. Because the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. She's not just saying my lips glorify the, God, the Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord. That is powerful. That is deep. All right. Psalm 86 verse 12. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. With all my heart. Bless the Lord. Oh, my lips. No. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We can come to church on a Sunday and we can bless the Lord with our lips. That's what the Bible calls lip service. But for it to truly glorify the Lord, the soul has to be involved. Amen? And I'm going to know that when your soul is involved in glorifying the Lord, then what you say with your lips has meaning. Amen? And for many of us, we need a deeper connection between what's going on in our soul and what's expressed with our lips. 
often there's incongruence. We're saying one thing with our lips and our soul is very far away. Then there's no power in it. It's fine, we can sit here and we can say, you know what, God is enthroned in the praises of the saints and we can quote that scripture, but the praises must be connected with what's going on in your soul. Are you hearing me this morning? Okay, that's where the power is. That's even in prayer. Let me just say it in prayer. Involve your soul in prayer. That's why the Bible tells us that the earnest, heartfelt, fervent prayer of a righteous man, I love it in the Amplified, makes tremendous power available. It doesn't just say prayer makes power available. Fervent, earnest, heartfelt prayer. What is it talking about? Prayer from the soul. Amen? Prayer from the soul. For some of you, God wants to break you from passivity. I'm just going to leave it there. Get your whole body involved in praising God. Amen. Number 17, God desires to be glorified in all the earth. I love this. God desires to be glorified in all the earth. We say that his glory is all his goodness. And when we glorify him, we are manifesting his goodness. We're making it known. God desires that all his goodness is made known in all the earth, not just pockets of the earth. This is so powerful when we catch this. He wants his glory to be made known, not just in pockets, but everywhere. Now, let's unpack this. Famous scripture, Habakkuk 2 verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How do the waters cover the sea? Fully. It's not like, oh, there's this hole here in the middle of the ocean and there's no water covering. Right? Evenly. God wants his, the knowledge of his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, how is the knowledge of his glory going to spread? It will be spread by those who have knowledge of his glory and his goodness. The knowledge of God's glory will be spread in all the earth to the degree to which we proclaim his glory and we glorify him. Amen? So he wants to use us to make the world know his glory. And for me, that motivates me. Because what I found happening in my life was that somehow I had this, what we call a me-me conflict. A me-me conflict where I wanted to do great things for God and I want him to use me. But at a subconscious level, I'd find myself holding back because I'm trying to check my motives. And I'm wondering, is it okay? But why me? Am I pushing myself forward? Am I being selfishly ambitious? Until I got this revelation where I realized, wait a minute, we must make our light shine. We must make our light shine so that the world can see his glory and they'll see his glory through the church. I don't know about you, but when you have this revelation, you don't want to be a weak church. You don't want to be a flimsy church. You don't want to be a church where there's no excellence. You want to show off the glory of God to the nations. Amen? The nation needs to take us seriously. Amen? My book on diversity, it's, it's pretty much done now. Okay, remember all the stuff we covered in terms of diversity and all of that? And we covered a biblical view of land reform, all of that kind of thing. It's done. Lord has been speaking to me about it. I know he's going to be glorified as it comes out. Okay? 
And I'm not apologizing for it. It's going to be glorified. And the title is there, A Biblical View of Diversity. We're not trying to be like, ah, it's just diversity and, you know, the way the world has taught it. We're not ashamed. Amen? What is the stuff in you that the world needs to check out? Let it come out. Because when it comes out, Jesus is glorified. Are there clothes, Cindy, that need to be designed? We know Cindy dresses nicely and so on, right? Please come back and do seminars for us, color blocking things and all of that kind of stuff, right? But are there things that need to be designed that are in you? Let them come out so that the world sees them and glorifies Jesus. Amen? We're tired of the worldly fashion designers coming up with dodgy designs. Designs built based on lust. Amen? Cindy, you can say amen even louder also. Amen. Cool. It's a lot. We need Christians. I'm tired of some of the dodgy stuff written about racism and overcoming racism by academics. These are the same academics, let's be honest, who, who orchestrated apartheid, etc. Those were, you know, profs in, um, in psychology. So why can't we step up our game and say, you know what, there are new guys who are coming who understand the psychology of these things but with a biblical worldview. Amen? And for me, I'm not slowing down. Amen? No, seriously, towards the beginning of the year, I was even saying to my wife, okay, I'm going to chill on this a bit. I'm going to just chill out on this a little bit and so on. And I'm like, who was I listening to? Which voice was that? It wasn't the Holy Spirit. Amen? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God wants to raise us up. God wants to raise us up. I had an experience recently where uh, I was going through a particular journey. And you know, there's some, some of these hardcore academics and so on. Um, and you know, you look up to them, right? And there was a particular course, one of the top universities on the continent. And they selected, they've got about 150 something department heads. I'm talking about profs but they picked 16 of them to do a leadership course. And with the institute that I'm, that I'm involved with, uh, with the business school I'm involved with, guess who was chosen to teach these profs on leadership? So I'm saying to myself, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just telling you guys, but can you see how God works? Because here I was feeling intimidated, thinking like, hey, these are the guys, you know, these are the clued up people. These are profs of profs. You, get, you have to understand what I'm saying, okay? These are hardcore academics. And then now I was like, Lord, how come I'm the one being chosen to teach them on leadership? And when I taught them, these guys are down-to-earth people, wonderful people, but certain doors opened for me. My wife prayed for me beforehand and said, there's a door within this door. There are doors within this door. Doors then opened for me as I connected with these wonderful people. Amen. I'm thinking to myself, so I'm standing there and I'm speaking on leadership and the guys are glued, listening to me. And it was such a powerful experience. This happened a couple of days ago and it was the Lord showing me that there's something you carry in this area. There's your natural knowledge on it, but I've added my super to your natural. In 98, that's when I had that dream and, and where the guy was handing me the book and the book was entitled Prophet of Leadership. 
A guy was coming from overseas. He had to cross an ocean in the dream. And I got this book and it was a thick book called Prophet of Leadership. And then when I was being introduced before I spoke to these guys, these academics, the guy introducing me, I think it was the Holy Spirit that spoke through him and just said, this is what Paul does every day. Paul has dedicated his life to leadership development. This is what he does. And he just spoke to me. Now that's my journey in my world where my light is shining. What's yours? Are you hearing me this morning? He desires his glory to fill the earth, not just in pockets, but everywhere. He wants his fame and glory to be made known. He wants those who have not seen it to see it. So part of our core role as believers is to make his glory known. You know, God wants kings to have the Nebuchadnezzar experience. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar in scripture. Daniel 4 verse 34 to 37. It says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I mean, this guy, he was the leader of the Babylonian Empire, the most powerful empire in the world. So here he is, he's leading it, right? And yet he says, then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He had just been humbled by the Lord. Lord showed him that, listen, everything you've got, I've given it to you. How can you be proud thinking that it's from me? Amen. I love it when God does that to people. People who think they're self-made. No one is self-made. No self-made person. You hear all these business people saying, yeah, I know. Because, you know, Paul, you know, I'm a self-made business person. Yeah, there was no one who taught me this. No one who taught me that. Yeah, right. Okay. Number 18. Our behavior and conduct can result in others glorifying the Lord. How I behave, how I conduct myself can result in other people glorifying the Lord. Just ask yourself the question, your lifestyle, does it result in the people who are observing your lifestyle glorifying the Lord? Just think about it. Do people look at you and do they say, ah, Maraping, yeah, because of Maraping, A, B, C, D, ooh, let's praise God. God, you're so good. Do they do that? Just think about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13, look at these guys, their generosity. The, the church at Corinth says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. You didn't just confess the gospel of Christ, 
There was an obedience that went with it. And it says, as a result of this, others will praise God. He was specifically talking about their obedience in generosity. How many of you have ever done something for someone and the result is they're just praising God? Everything is just, we praise God, we praise God, we praise God. If we're honest with ourselves, very often we do things for people and we want a thank you. We want them to kind of like acknowledge us in the process. There's that thing in our flesh. I remember one time when I made a certain decision for something to happen for for someone. um, And I remember the person was just thanking the Lord, you know. And I was kind of like fishing, you know, because I I'd sort of sorted out something for the person. And I was sort of fishing. I wanted some acknowledgement that, you know, it was my idea. And the person was just saying, so, yo, we really thank the Lord, eh? We really thank the Lord. And the Lord convicted me of that. Paul, did you want part of the glory? Here's someone glorifying Jesus because of a decision that you made or something you sorted out for them. But there's something in you that still wants to be praised. Are you following this morning? Remember last week we spoke about partial glory. That very often it's, Lord, we want to glorify you, yes, Lord, but please don't steal my thunder in the process. These are real issues God is showing us. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Does my generosity to someone result in them praising and glorifying God? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans. Who are the pagans? Who are the pagans, ladies and gentlemen? These were, the, the pagans were actually religious people, but they, they worshipped false gods. So it was pagan worship, right? Remember in the Greek society those days, they had all those many gods and so on, and they would sacrifice to them, right? Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I want people to glorify God because of my good deeds. Amen? I want people to glorify God because of my good deeds. My wife had a treatment the other day in terms of, um, you know, muscular treatment and so on from Cindy Cock over there. And my wife comes back and she's like coming back rejoicing, like literally sharing with me the testimony of how her body was now feeling. And she was thanking God. You know what that shows me? Cindy's excellence resulted in God being glorified. Are you hearing me? For some of you, your mediocrity results in people complaining and getting into the flesh. I will say it again. For some of you, some of us, our mediocrity results in people complaining, whining, and getting into the flesh and doing the opposite of glorifying God. If you look in scripture, you know what the opposite of glorifying God was? It wasn't just glorifying self. It was when the people would moan and groan and complain and whine like the guys did in the wilderness. 
There are times when they'll thank God. Oh, yes, Lord. And we have the song of Miriam and the song of this person and the song of that person. You freed us from the Egyptians. And we've got these wonderful songs. Then there are other times when they'll moan and groan. Lord, why did you take us out of Egypt? Egypt is better. Are my mediocre deeds causing people to moan and groan? Or is my spirit of excellence resulting in more glory being given to the Lord? Just think about it. Number 19, God is glorified when we let our light shine. There are stories that I sometimes hold back on because I'll think to myself, oh no, I might say this thing from, with a pure motive, but maybe one or two people will think Paul is showing off. So sometimes I also hold back, but I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not going to hold back anymore. If God is doing good things in my life and if it's going to produce more glory for him, I'm going to start talking about it. Maybe it'll inspire one or two people. Amen? Amen. All right? So, it says here in Matthew 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can you see that it's a question of motives? Because elsewhere, Scripture says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And sometimes we get confused, but you see, in the Hebrew mind, you can actually hold ambiguity together, that tension it's like, okay, there's the grace and mercy of God, but there's also his truth and justice. That's still God, right? Okay, when I do things, I must do them as unto the Lord, right? With pure motives, not for glory, for self. I mustn't let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. So watch your motives when you're now telling people, oh, I did this for so-and-so. Because you might rob yourself of the reward that God wants to give you. Because your motive now isn't his glory. Your motive now is glorify me. Check out what I did. Amen? But Jesus is basically saying here, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. But what's the motive? And glorify your father in heaven. It's a question of motives. And you know that word good, it's the word kala. In the, in the Greek. And what does kala mean? Beauty. Beauty. Kali means beauty. That's why if you look at a lot of those words, like kaligyne speaks of beautiful woman. Do you guys know what kaligynephobia is? Fear of beautiful women. So ladies, when you walk and, you see, and, you, and there's a guy you like and then he runs away from you, you can go to him and you can say, do you struggle with kaligynephobia? <laughs> Just do that. For free. All right? So it's basically not just talking about good deeds. It's also talking about beautiful deeds. I asked last week, who's an artist here? No hands went up. A lot of you make beautiful things. Let people see your beautiful deeds and let them glorify the Father as a result of that. Amen? Finally, I'm going to go to number 20. We can glorify God both corporately and individually. One of the most beautiful things, one of the most beautiful things is where we draw other people in to glorify God with us. That's why testimonies are so powerful because you're basically saying, hey guys, come, I want to share with you, excuse me, this wonderful thing that's happened so that you can join me in glorifying God because the more the better. Amen? I don't want to glorify God by myself. 
I want to call in other people to do so. I'm going to ask my wife to come up and play. All right? Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's something special about inviting others to join in with you in giving God the glory. Amen? Can I just give you one more bonus one? Number 21. God is glorified through answered prayer. So it's in God's interest to answer your prayer. Because he knows you'll get glory when the prayer is answered. If you look throughout scripture, if you look throughout scripture, there's something very powerful that takes place. When I look at the Bible, I see how there was the man born blind. Man born blind. And people said, is this person in this situation because he sinned or his parents sinned? And guess what, he, what Jesus' response is? He says, no. This person is in this situation so that God may be glorified through the miracle. Amen? God is glorified when he answers prayer. And that's why we see the scripture in John 14 verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So it's in his interest to answer our prayers, especially if they're prayers that are prayed in his name. You follow that? What are you believing God for right now? I'm telling you right now, it's a story for his glory. There's a testimony in the making. And if you make a covenant with the Lord right now and you say, Lord, when this thing happens, I want to glorify you. In fact, I'm going to start thanking you right now. Can you see how God is like, you know what? This is my territory now. This is, this is the game I like to play. This is what, what I like to do. It's a story for his glory. Whatever you're going through, that mess will be turned into a message. That triumph or that tragedy will be turned, turned into a triumph. Amen. Let's pray. As a congregation, let's make a decision this morning that we want to glorify the Lord on a daily basis. If you want to make that commitment to the Lord, that Lord, everything I do, everything I say, my deeds, any success I have, I want to do it with the sole agenda of God being glorified. And I want to do it with all my soul, everything that's in me. If you want to make that commitment, just stand where you are and we're going to pray together as a church. You know what's so powerful about this? God is very interested in his glory. So he's got a glory agenda. He's got a glory agenda. And when I align myself with that agenda of, yes, you'll be glorified. Yes, Lord, you'll be glorified. Guess what? Everything I do, everything I touch works out. Because it's aligned with the kingdom agenda of giving him all the glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. I surrender to you 
and I choose to give you all the glory and honor in everything I say and in everything I do. I choose this morning to glorify you with all my soul, with everything that is within me, to do so authentically, not just in words, but indeed, I involve my entire body in glorifying you. You are worthy of it. I choose to do so on a daily basis. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. And amen. Hey, E family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget, we've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.